Hello and welcome to Alan and Overy's launch. My name is Bianca Vasilake, and I will be your host on the podcast for demystifying both the process of getting into law and where this career might take you. Today's episode is From Law to a New Challenge, The World is Your Oyster. As the title might have probably already given it away, today we're going to talk about quite a different career path, which is after you have practiced law for a few years, what happens if you're ready for a new challenge or you just want to do something completely different? How do you go about it and how easy or difficult is it to make this transition? In order to answer all of these questions and more, we have with us Tom Stancliffe, who used to be an associate here at ANO in the corporate M&A department, and then decided to co-found his sports and nutritional business called Tribe. Welcome and thank you for joining us, Tom. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great to be back. So I was just wondering if you always knew you eventually wanted to pursue a career outside commercial law. Um, yeah, I think I think I did actually, which is why I was kind of always drawn to kind of corporate work at, at Alan Avery. Because I think I always had in mind that at some point I might want to go and do something commercial, working in a business. Um, and so yeah, so that that was kind of why I made the decision to kind of specialize in kind of M and A. And while I was doing M and I obviously found it fascinating, you know seeing a very quick snapshot of different businesses and understanding how it worked and um, the risks and opportunities within them. So I think what I definitely didn't know at the time was that I was going to kind of set up my own business. That was actually something that kind of came with time. But I think I was always quite clear that I probably wouldn't be a lawyer for life. But did you have any plan as to like how many years you'd practice law or was it more like going with the flow, just feeling when the moment was right to move on to a new challenge? Um, no, I, I don't think I I did have a plan actually, and I think if, if anything, I ended up working for about four years post qualification because I did two years mm-hmm. working in Dubai and four years working in London overall. So I think I think it just came about. I mean, the the big genesis was that while working, you know, as a, as a lawyer, you know, ultimately doing very long hours, and you know, I'm sure you know, endurance <laughs> is quite a big part of it. I kind of in the side of working as a lawyer, got really into very long distance running. And so while I was yeah, while I was working here, I did this run across the Sahara Desert called the Marathon de Sable in 2012. And then the following year, I organized a thousand mile run um, across Europe called Run for Love from Odessa to uh, Dubrovnik in Croatia. So, so I suppose... Mm-hmm. In a sense, it was slightly the case that 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 kind of became my passion. And through doing those things on the side of working here, I suppose I I, I learned a bit about entrepreneurship in the sense of how you set projects up and how you make things happen. And yeah, I think that that kind of took over in a sense. And I decided that I wanted to sort of, uh, uh, that my goal was to have a career within kind of sports and fitness and tribe kind of which is a natural sports nutrition brand, kind of followed from all those experiences. That is actually very interesting. How did you get into into 
long running. I remember doing my first marathon while I was at Oxford. Um, through my kind of 20s, I just enjoyed taking on ever greater challenges. I, I suppose there must be some element of kind of, you know, that kind of working alongside working very hard in a kind of quite desk-based job that I suppose I kind of increasingly yeah. loved. Um pushing myself and kind of taking on you know ever more difficult challenges so, yeah, and I just love it love the sense of challenge I love the sense of nature and I suppose it definitely is a bit of a parallel with what was kind of going on in working life in the sense that you know lots of being a lawyer is about challenge and endurance and yeah, striving that's very true. Um, and so yeah I think maybe that kind of inspired me and so yeah I just it, it became a real a real kind of passion and I still am quite obsessed by it but at the time I was kind of completely obsessed by it I remember once doing a deal um, you know being in the middle of doing a deal in kind of January and you know we just closed it at sort of 5 p.m or something rather than going to the pub I think I went and did a marathon training run um <laughs> 26 miles on Monday night which actually when I look back was pretty insane but that was just you know you yeah. just you, you I was in a kind of really sort of high performance place at that time and um yeah I was just loving the running and you know obviously working pretty hard alongside that as well how often have you met people who at the beginning of their careers were certain they only wanted to pursue a career in law, but somewhere along the line kind of changed your mind? And why do you think that was? Well, I think I'd say law is, you know, lots of, lots of people. I mean, I would say it's probably a, a mixture. I mean, there were lots of my friends from law school and, you know, from my time doing a training contract here that I think always had a sense they might do something else. But then equally, there were lots that were kind of very set on law. And I think actually, if I'm totally honest, lots of people probably at times have slightly unrealistic expectations <laughs> of what, you know what I mean? You kind of, I mean, it kind of goes that saying law is you know, an amazingly um, well-paid job, uh, you know, particularly somewhere like Alan Avery or a top law firm. It's also, you know, this has got huge amounts going for it in terms of the quality of the work, the job security. So I suppose actually, if, if anything, over time, you know, when everyone was 22, everyone was like, you know, I'm going to be the Mark, next Mark Zuckerberg in five years time. <laughs> but actually, I think, <laughs> The more time goes on, the kind of proposition of uh, being a, you know, partner in a, you know, sort of leading commercial law firm is is, is great. Obviously, it's, it's a great job. So, you know, and I, I keep turning on my LinkedIn and uh, it's kind of that time when lots of my intake are kind of becoming partners. And um, I think you need, to, I think for those that, that, that have gone into it, I think you need probably one of two things and ideally both. One is you need to... Um, really love the law you're specializing in really love the, the hopefully the technical yeah. area that you're doing and whether it's pensions or ip or whatever i think those that have or family law those that have loved it you know love love the law they do or they love the client side of things in the sense of they have amazing clients and love the interaction and challenges of working closely with with people so i think those are probably the two characteristics and i'm guessing the best lawyers the ones that both love the law and love the clients that, um, that would be the ideal um so yeah no. awesome so when did you start working on the idea of tribe were you still a solicitor at the time well i'd actually um i think the thousand mile run probably ended in um 
April 2013. And what actually I did was I, and I think it was a really good decision, is that I knew I wanted to move into something more entrepreneurial, but I don't think I was quite ready to go straight from a legal role into that. So I spent about 18 months between Alan Overy and Tribe working for a very fast growing um, information business called um, Alpha Sites. Okay. And what that does is connect um, investment professionals with industry experts. And that was more of a kind of blended legal and commercial role. And in terms of atmosphere, it was an incredibly entrepreneurial, high growth atmosphere. So I suppose I was probably very lucky in that I kind of transitioned through that into um, setting up Tribe. Which I think was really good because I think actually okay. it would have been, um, there were lots of things I learned in terms of mindset and approach in that period with alpha sites that were very valuable. So actually there are then like kind of two transition periods. So from law to alpha site and then from alpha site to tribe. So I was wondering for the first one, how long or short or easy or difficult did you find the transition from law to alpha sites which was quite different i'm assuming i think i found it i found it very easy culturally because i think you know one thing that you you kind of learn in a law firm is you 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 learn to work with others you learn to work in a very high performance environment you you learn how to do things really well so ultimately you're it's quite likely you're going to go into an environment where things are being done to a less high quality standard <laughs> in a less intense way um, with less rigor. So actually, I think that transition was very easy. I suppose the difficulty is, you know, just in terms of mindset, because obviously when you're a lawyer, and particularly a lawyer, you know, working on transactions like you did on an ovary, it's, it's an incredibly risk averse environment. You know, you're, yeah. you're ultimately becoming a specialist in being paranoid and, you know, thinking of every conceivable risk under the sun. And then I suppose you go into an environment where suddenly it's more entrepreneurial and the currency is not how clever can you be at finding risk or mitigating risk? It's uh, how clever can you be at creating value and revenue and opportunities? So I suppose that that for me was the big transition. And it was, the you know, I suppose ultimately going from a kind of legal mindset into much more of a commercial environment where the currency in a sense is creating value and that means creating revenue and creating opportunities yeah. for creating revenue and freeing up people to... <laughs> So how did you go about changing this mindset? Um, And did it take long? How long did it take? I don't think it took too long. I suppose there's just a different kind of pressure. I think when you're a lawyer, the pressure is all around... um, Doing things to a high standard, not making mistakes, not missing things. I mean, obviously, there's an element of being commercial, but I think, you know, there's also a very big kind of sense of, like, we can't make mistakes here. You know, we can't call on our insurance. We can't, you know, so so that that just is, in a sense, to the extent there's a pressure, there's a pressure around not making mistakes. Or, you know, if someone, sounds like a small thing, but if someone sees a typo on on a document you've drafted, it's sort of the biggest thing in the world. And why is it? Because if there's a typo on page then that you know is a sign that perhaps there might be a lack of care somewhere else or whereas suddenly you get into a commercial environment and it's there's a pressure to kind of grow and achieve targets but also I suppose there's you know not quite the same I suppose I kind of think of when I 
projects that would make a lot of sense from a kind of legal perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Creating a 400-page employee handbook with 2,000 rules and regulations covering every conceivable risk. I suppose I might have gone from Alan Avery into a, into a firm that didn't have that and think, okay, well, what I think we really need to do is spend the next three months um, creating this employee handbook. And actually, <laughs> you, you get into <laughs> a business that's trying to grow, I don't know, whatever it's trying to grow, 100% year on year. And actually, you find people aren't that <laughs> they're fast about creating an employee <laughs> handbook because they're, they're they're really focused on kind of um, delivering growth. So I think it's the, you know it's the it's it's just you you quite quickly get a, got an understanding of where the kind of priorities of the new business sat. I suppose. Okay, so then uh, you moved to Alpha Sites. You learned about how to be more commercial, I guess, and how to take more risks and think more from this point of view. And then the idea of Tribe came along. And how did you meet your co-founders? How did how did you decide to have a company that's around this? Well, we'd. Well, I should say the co-founders were the two people I did the uh, Marathon de Sable and Run for Love with. So okay. they were kind of so you all had sort of the same the, interests, the, the old running buddies, and yeah, I suppose we'd always um, we'd always envisaged the idea of something, you know, doing something in health and fitness together. I suppose it was kind of around the time I don't know if you remember it, but you know, it was sort of the start of direct to consumer businesses, so things like Grays or Dollar Shave Club or HelloFresh, or yeah. all these things were taking off. And I suppose all our experiences in running and fitness made us think, well, wouldn't it be great if you could get a version of Grays that was all around um, delivering kind of sports nutrition to people that were in training? Because mm-hmm. we thought that, you know, if you're, if you're in training, you're working out four or five times a week. So wouldn't it be great if you could get a regular delivery of everything you need for your training? So that was the kind of original genesis of Tribe. It was saying, you know, could we become a healthy, natural version of Grays for runners? But I think we were also, the, I, the name Tribe just came from the fact that all of our experiences around community and bringing people together for Run for Love made us see what a powerful thing that was. So I suppose we, we not only wanted to create amazing natural products, but we also wanted to engage a community um, around a kind of sense of social impact as well. So how did you go about turning this idea into reality? And did you feel you were taking a big risk or were you confident that the product and what you wanted to do would catch on? Um, I think I definitely felt it was a big risk. I suppose at the time I was, um, I wasn't married then. So I suppose I was kind of unmarried and I was 30. So I suppose what was going through my head was I don't really have any kind of family risk and also i thought let's just say it all goes incredibly wrong at least i would have known that um i tried it and also i thought it was always conceivable that i could come back to a similar place not saying it wouldn't have had a damage on my career but i thought if i'm 32 and the business has gone totally wrong i think it's conceivable i could get back to a similar role in law or in as law. the one? Okay, I think at the law. time I probably thought in law. I'm not sure I would <laughs> still say in law, but 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 I thought I could get back to a similar, you know, role in law. So I think 
I think I kind of took a view that it was a kind of, yeah, sort of once in a lifetime opportunity and once in a lifetime risk. And that in the absolute downside scenario, you know, we only actually ended up putting in a relatively small amount of money each. And I thought if it all goes totally wrong, I think I could get back just about to where I am now if I work really hard. And what were the most challenging aspects of setting up Tribe? I've always, you know, I, I do really enjoy what we do. So I always get a kind of real kick out of developing great products and organizing great events to introduce those products to to the tribe community. Um, what's it? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think the most difficult thing with hindsight is you have to just be quite patient, <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay. is that you kind of you start off and you kind of want to achieve everything in five minutes. And I think yeah. actually looking back over three and a half years, sometimes you have to accept that it's going to take time. And I think building a great product and a great brand is about a series of iterations rather than some light bulb moment. There's not going to be some one thing you do that suddenly transforms everything. Actually, it's spinning a wheel of process and product improvements and, you know, learning more and becoming better. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it's being patient. And the other thing I do actually really not enjoy and we're coming to the end of doing it at the moment is uh fundraising because <laughs> um, it's a massive just uh, we, we've been well you know as you know we we live in you know incredibly lucky times actually in terms of the availability of capital for uh, businesses like ours or startups um But it's just incredibly time-consuming, you know, okay. spending three months having, you know, a hundred conversations with potential investors. Inevitably, lots of those focus on the sort of things that aren't going well because people are sort of challenging the downside. Um, so I would say, um, and, you know, it's not like you can kind of stop trying to grow the business at the same time. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> so, not, it's so a kind of, necessary evil. It's a necessary evil. Not that I don't enjoy it like all of our investors, but uh, yeah, that those periods are never, never that fun. Did you come up with the products themselves and the ingredients or how, or did you find specialists who were already experienced in this? And then with the investors, like you said, in the beginning, you each put a bit of money, but yeah. obviously to create the product, to create the brand, you need some more. So how did you go about finding the people who believed in the project and were willing to invest and get it, uh, and get it up and running? Um, Right at the very start, it was using a kind of friends and family network, I suppose, um, to invest. And then over time, we've kind of, you know, we, we, we've been lucky that people seem to love the kind of concept of tribe quite of the moment in the sense that it's all about healthy, natural, vegan products. It's about community. It's about experiences. So we've never found it difficult, well, to, to kind of sell the, the vision of what we're trying to achieve. And it's quite relatable to people. And so, yeah, we've, we've been lucky to have some great investors. Um, but um, also, it's a kind of idea and a concept that seems to resonate. And, you know, we've, we've been lucky in the sense that our growth has been really strong and consistent. So that, that always helps when you can keep showing more traction to um, to investors but we we're hoping to reach um profitability uh in the next six to nine months which will be a great um moment because it's certainly <laughs> a kind of nerve-wracking um it's not the best feeling to run a business that's turning over you know 
less than a million and be yeah. burning more than a million cash that year you know it's a sort of not a great feeling so it, it's going to be great that you know we've kind of next year we'll, we'll we'll be profitable and you know revenues are looking really strong so it's really great how has the experience of working of a solicitor um compared to running your own company um i think this uh, you know i th i think the well i think the kind of the nature of the work itself is obviously very different yeah. um i think there's definitely similarities in the sense of just the sort of as a corporate lawyer there were kind of big ebbs and flows and naturally it kind of works like that running a business there are there are kind of periods of the year that are intensely busy and periods that aren't i think what you needed to do as sister was have a kind of very good um ability to manage processes so mm -hmm. um you know manage transactions and think through okay in order to get to this completion point on the first of september what are the 200 actions that need to happen yeah. for that and i think that mindset and understanding is actually very relevant for running a business as well so it's about thinking okay how can this group of people get to this place in the this outcome and what are the things that need to happen so i think i think your it forces you to think in a kind of very structured way about steps in a process and i think that's good and you learn a lot about discipline in terms of the hours you work and the kind of quality of work you do and always try and bring that you know with us and i think also you're you're it's quite a sort of collaborative approach being a lawyer and i think that is really good you're kind of you're working with lots of people ultimately yeah. even if you're not on the same kind of side so to speak you're still um still working with, lo with with lots of other lawyers and law firms and there's lots of parties involved and i think that kind of collaborative approach is really important you know to try we try and have lots of partnerships and um so i think that, that that's valuable learnings as well and how about the differences between having your own company and being a, a lawyer or solicitor in this case um I suppose the difference is just, you know, to that point I made earlier, the, the sort of value in being a lawyer is in mitigating and averting risk in lots of ways. I know lots of people might say it's about creating commercial value by mitigating risk, but I suppose it, it is about mitigating risk, whereas I suppose in a, in a business, you know, we're ultimately really focused on revenue and profitability of the business. I think the the other thing I, I quite miss about being a lawyer is you could be asked to write a like memo or opinion on something very specific and you might spend two days doing that and you would know by the end of that that you'd reached a kind of perfect point of understanding <laughs> and presentation of that problem and you could say with a decent degree of clarity i'm positive that this legal advice is correct and actually yeah. there's not really anyone out there that could give much better legal advice than i'm giving whereas um obviously when you're kind of running a business with a thousand different things going on you're you know what i mean it's it's sort of two line emails do this do that it, it's much more high level and i suppose that's natural because what you're trying to do is you're trying to move everyone along 
quicker yeah. <laughs> and in a way avoid <laughs> explicitly avoid getting caught in the detail and um yeah. try and if anything just give people clarity on where you want to go and what the things are that need to happen but not when you're managing lots of people kind of get into the kind of too much in the weeds of what they're doing so i suppose i kind of miss that level of granularity and precision because actually sometimes i feel like you just don't get that same thing when you're growing a very fast growing business and uh where next for tribe do you have any other ideas that you would like to pursue um well tribe has just raised um lots of funds um and our big plan is to develop a new range of products in the next six months and we're also expanding into france and germany so um yeah very exciting times going really well Sweet. That's very exciting. So now regarding the fire round of three off the wall questions, I hope you won't be expecting them. Okay. I hope they will be new. Uh, so I'm very curious about what will, you'll, uh, you'll come up with. So Rough. the first one is if you were given a one minute ad, ad slot during the Super Bowl that you couldn't sell, what would you fill it with? As in that Tribe couldn't use or could Tribe use it? Um, let's say both. Tribe could use it. What would you put in the ad slot? And if Tribe couldn't use it, what else would you use it for? Well, if, if Tribe could use the ad slot, um, we'd use it as an opportunity to advertise um, Ramp for Love, which is a 280-kilometer race um, through the Azores Islands this November, um, all taking place to raise funds for our sister foundation, the Tribe Freedom Foundation, to fight modern slavery. And if Tribe couldn't use it, I suppose I'd have to say that you know, I'd use it, you know, we're, we're passionate at Tribe about this kind of mission to end modern slavery. Our first run for love was about fighting modern slavery and setting up the first home for trafficked children. The second run for love was, was as well, and the third run for love will be as well. So I suppose it would be using that opportunity to, to tell people that slavery is happening here and now and that um, there's something we can all do to fight it. Thank you. And the last but not least, if everything was quantified, what life stats would you like to see for yourself? Um, well, I suppose... First, first of all, something in terms of the happiness um, of myself and the kind of um, relationships and friendships um, of those closest to me. And then I suppose professionally, I'd love it to be about something about the kind of impact um, that Tribe has had on the happiness, um, wellness and enjoyment of um, people using our products, but also um, the people that are supported by the work of the Tribe Freedom Foundation, i.e. victims of trafficking. Thank you, Tom. It was a pleasure talking to you today. I'm sure our listeners have found your experiences and advice as valuable as I have. Don't forget to tune in for our next and unfortunately final episode in which we will be tackling one of the most puzzling parts of the application process, the assessment center, and in helping me demystify what it is all about, how to prepare and 
how to manage unexpected situations during interviews, I will have with me Karen Dinamani, who is one of the partners at ANO with extensive case study interview experience, as well as Emma Barker, one of our graduate recruitment specialists, and last but not least, Godwin Tan, one of the trainees who, same as our listeners and myself, has gone through this process several times and can share his advice and insights. And remember to follow us on social media and check our graduate website. Thank you all for listening and see you next time. Thank you.